Hi everyone, this is John Hagedorn, and welcome to 1001 Stories for the Road, also known as Caffeine for the Curious, and your home for good old-fashioned entertainment. Twelve-year-old Anna Marie closed her Sunday school lesson book, quietly smiled up at her mother, then clasped her hands together and lowered her head in reverence to the prayer she knew was coming. After each lesson, Ann Jarvis would offer a prayer that best fit the subject of that day's lesson. I hope and pray, her mother began, that someone, sometime, will found a Memorial Day throughout the world to work together for peace. It was a short prayer, but it was a subject Anna's mother was fond of discussing, and she was well known in Taylor County, West Virginia, and beyond as an anti-war activist doing all she could to promote global unity and bring people together after the horrors of the American Civil War and the Franco-Prussian War in Europe. With millions of young men dying, millions of mothers were grieving and passionately wanting the civilized world to come to its senses. In the years prior to the Civil War, in 1858, Ann Jarvis was active in her community of Grafton, West Virginia, by starting Mother's Day Work Clubs, to teach local women how to properly care for their children. These clubs later became a unifying force in a region of the country still divided over the Civil War. And West Virginia, unlike its neighbor Virginia, had sided with the Union, leaving many families and communities divided. And that bitterness lasted far beyond the end of the war, which had ended in the spring of 1865. If there was to be a glue that could bring people and families together, Jarvis knew it would be the mothers who found their bonds in home, family, and peace. In 1868, Jarvis organized Mother's Friendship Day, at which mothers gathered with former Union and Confederate soldiers to promote reconciliation. In 1870, Juliet Ward Howe, a suffragette and abolitionist from Boston who gave us the song, The Battle Hymn of the Republic, wrote, the Mother's Day Proclamation, a hugely popular call to action that asked mothers to unite in promoting world peace. In 1873, Howe campaigned for a Mother's Peace Day to be celebrated every June 2nd. She traded letters with Ann Jarvis, and they became friends united in a common cause. All their efforts were spent in creating a day of peace that would focus the world on putting an end to war and killing. Passions ran high in the years following the American Civil War, which was the first major conflagration to provide actual photographs of the horrors of war, images that could be transferred to and seen in newspapers worldwide, gruesome black-and-white scenes that shocked and saddened the world in a manner that had never been experienced before outside of paintings and sketches, which were often romanticized. Photographic images told the story for the first time in history that there was nothing romantic about death and war. As Ann Jarvis worked to bring her community together, her daughter Anna attended college at the Augusta Female Seminary in Stanton, Virginia, known today as Mary Baldwin College. She returned home with a degree and worked as a teacher in the public school system and working closely with her mother in her efforts through the church community. Work would take her away from home, first to work as a bank teller for her uncle in Chattanooga, and then to Philadelphia, where she became the first female advertising editor for Fidelity Mutual Insurance Company. 
During this time, she stayed very close with her mother, writing her often, and when her father died in 1902, she tried to convince her mother to join her in Pennsylvania in Balakinwood, a feat that would take two years to accomplish, and when her mother finally did join her, they had one full year together before her mother died in 1905. Anna vowed to herself that she would carry on her mother's dreams and worked tirelessly to establish a Mother's Day to promote peace and honor all mothers. In 1907, she began an aggressive campaign to establish a National Mother's Day in the U.S. She and her supporters tirelessly wrote letters to those in positions of power, and Anna was able to bring in some powerful philanthropists, like retailer John Wanamaker in Philadelphia, although she never profited in any way personally. On May 10, 1908, three years after her mother's death, Anna Jarvis arranged a memorial ceremony to honor her mother and all mothers, at Andrews Methodist Episcopal Church in their old hometown of Grafton, West Virginia, which is today the International Mother's Day Shrine and a National Historic Landmark. This was the first official observance of Mother's Day in America. She continued to be a tireless and feisty advocate for a national observance, challenging others who wanted to take credit for the day and trying to shield it from the commercialization that she saw taking place around it. She established the symbol of Mother's Day, the white carnation, which she described by saying, Its whiteness is to symbolize the truth, purity, and broad charity of a mother's love, its fragrance, her memory, and her prayers. The carnation does not drop its petals, but hugs them to its heart as it dies. And so, too, mothers hug their children to their hearts, their mother's love never dying. On May 8, 1914, thanks to the tireless efforts of Anna Jarvis and others like her, Congress passed a joint resolution designating the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. The next day, President Woodrow Wilson issued the first Mother's Day presidential proclamation, calling for a public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. Anna Jarvis died penniless, unmarried, and childless on November 24th, 1948, but she had achieved everything she had ever wanted in life, honoring not only her mother, but mothers everywhere. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Stories for the Road, where every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we release a new episode for your listening enjoyment. 1001 Stories for the Road was inspired by our big brother, 1001 Heroes, the research for which has turned up a treasure chest of great stories. Too short for our typical 45-minute shows at 1001 Heroes, and these stories, averaging about 15 to 20 minutes each, needed a new home. So we created 1001 Stories for the Road. We're available 24-7 at iTunes and everywhere great podcasts are found. We have two other 1001 shows out there, and we encourage you to give them a try. Those are 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries, and 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. You can catch all our 1001 network shows and archives, including this one, at www.1001storiespodcast.com. And we encourage your posts at facebook.com forward slash 1001 Stories for the Road. We'll be back real soon. 